This is Easter season. There's a lot of things that we do out of ritual, out of tradition. This is not one of them. So today I'm going to take you all the way back to the beginning. And we're going to change the service because I want to take you as a church to the upper room. And I want you to understand what this day was all about. This day is special the week before Easter, not just because we're preparing for a celebration, but because of the significance of what happened on this day. There's a lot of things that the world doesn't understand. I watch the commercials that are going on TV right now, and I look at Jen and I, I, I laugh, and I said, they don't get it. And they have all these kids in Easter dresses and Easter clothes, and they're running through neighborhoods picking up eggs. And I'm not saying that that stuff isn't fun, but it's not what Easter is all about. They've lost it. But let me tell you, shame on us if we also go through our routines and our traditions and we forget what it's all about. So I'm going to take you back to the very, very beginning. And you say, where did communion start? I'm I'm going to tell you communion, if you want to put it this way. and, And let me explain before you say, no, that wasn't communion. Actually, in a sense, started in the garden. It was the fall of Adam and Eve. God warned Adam and Eve about sin. See, it wasn't just in Romans that we learn about the wages of sin is death. It was back in Genesis. He said, the day that you eat the fruit, you will surely die. God warned them. He said, this is the wages of sin is death. That's God saying it way before they ever got to the book of Romans and salvation. They were deceived by the devil and they disobeyed. And the cool thing is God went looking for them. God knew where they were. It wasn't a matter of God yelling for them in the garden because they were oblivious. He was oblivious to where they were. What they did is they sinned and they tried to fix themselves. The theme of what we're trying to do is you cannot fix yourself. Say, how did Adam and Eve try to fix themselves? Well, you guys know the story. Adam and Eve run from God or they thought they were running from God and they went and got fig leaves. And they try to cover themselves up with those leaves to cover up their sin or their shame. Let me tell you, there's not one thing that you can do in your life to cover up your sin and your shame. You can't fix yourself. So Jesus came and found them. And it's a, it's a powerful message that, into that of itself is the fact that when we mess up, when we're wounded in our sin, when we've made mistakes, God came looking for us. And crying out to him in the garden and sin didn't just go away. See, God had to cover their sin. In Genesis 3.21, And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Let me ask you, where did coats of skin come from? An animal had to die. Right there, the innocent had to die. That, that, that animal, that lamb that did nothing had to die to cover the nakedness or the shame of the ones that did sin. Right there, we have the beginning of what God was showing us. But let me tell you, this was very temporary. Something had to happen in order to eliminate the separation between us and God. Because if you keep reading in Genesis, and we don't always pull this out, therefore the Lord God sent him from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. And he drove out the man and he placed at the east part of the Garden of Eden cherubims, a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. You see what happened? Here, God created Adam and Eve for fellowship in the garden. Now there's a wall, there's a separation from the fellowship of Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day with God, and now their sin separated them. 
we were to jump forward, we see that this keeps going because at the end of Genesis, we roll right into the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus begins 40 years of slavery. The Egyptians take hold of them, take hold of them, and they refuse to let his people go. Their desire was to make them slaves. You know why? They made them slaves to build them false gods for them to worship, and God was not okay with that. Watch the symbolism that happens in this. So Moses came to set the captives free. Imagine this. Moses came to set the captives free. The enemy resisted, thinking that his power was greater than the power that stood behind Moses. But Moses represented the great I am. God judged them for disobeying. Ten plagues fell upon them, but at the tenth plague that came, because they rebelled against God, the wages of sin was death once again. The angel would pass through them, and wherever the blood was not applied to the doorpost, they would die. The firstborn would die in each one of those. God gave them specific instructions. If you remember, they were to take a lamb, an innocent substitute, bring it into the house, kill it. And the dad or the, the, the head of the household would go out and then take the blood and put it on the doorposts. Now you see the symbolism. The door that represented the ones on the other side were only protected with the blood on the outside. If you look at it, the blood was applied to the top. And the blood was applied to the sides. When the angel of death came through, the angel of death was to pass by any door that had the blood. And inside, they were taking of the Passover the lamb, the sacrifice. Once again, the only way that they would be protected and covered was by the sacrifice of the innocent lamb, the substitute that stepped in. And he told them in Exodus twelve thirteen, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now this Passover continued for years. Years and years and years went by of them doing this. They would look back on the day that God rescued them out of bondage. How the blood of the Lamb saved them. They looked back on the salvation that God gave them from the wrath that was coming that only saved them through obeying what God had said and being hid behind the blood. You say, well, how does that apply to us? See, they were looking forward to Calvary. They they didn't understand that. But one day, the Lamb of God would show up. And He would be slaughtered for the innocent upon the cross of Calvary. Today, we are looking back at the cross. Because the only thing that brings healing to us is the blood of the Lamb. Palm Sunday would be today. It was the Sunday leading up to the Passover. And at that time, they didn't know it was the Sunday before the crucifixion. What they didn't know, that was the Sunday before Jesus came out of the tomb. They would take that day as a celebration. For us, we have different holidays that we do special things. Leading up to Christmas, we'll take the family out and we'll pick out a Christmas tree. Or leading up to Thanksgiving, we'll go out and pick out a Thanksgiving turkey or There's different preparations for the holiday. Well, they would celebrate the Passover even at this time of Jesus. Jesus wanted to have the Passover with them and he was getting things set up. But they didn't know that on that day, that was the holiday that they would go and they would pick out the lamb. 
that they would have for the sacrifice. And here comes Jesus riding on the donkey. And here they are going to find their lambs, going to pick out their lamb for this. And they were like, oh, it's the Messiah. They'd go and take the branches and they begin to wave them in the air. Now, that was something of their culture. If we were to go to a ball game or something, we have different things that we hold up in the air to signify rejoicing or celebrating and the foam fingers and the signs and all those other things. Well, back then, to celebrate, they would take a branch and pull it off and they would wave it in the air, kind of a celebration. They gathered around and as the Messiah was coming in, it was like God saying, there's your lamb. Here they're going to find their lamb. And they did get their lambs because they didn't recognize him as the lamb of God. They recognized him as the Messiah. The one that did the miracles. The one that did all these things. The, the Bible even describes it and they didn't even understand. But in Corinthians, the Bible actually did, said that he was the Passover. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. It's not a matter of us trying to identify with this. The Bible laid it out and said he is the Passover. He was. They didn't get it. Something that I learned about the, the palm branches as well is the palm branches also were symbol of different things, just like the way that we have flags and things like that. But in the Roman rule, on some of their coins, and I almost brought up pictures to show you that they had like the cross of the palm branches of the Romans that would be on their coins and different things and on their buildings. And here they are taking that which represented their enemies going from the celebration and they laid them down. And the Messiah triumphed over the oppressors. The Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. Did you ever notice how many times in the Bible Jesus would say after he did a miracle or something, he said, my time has not yet come. Don't tell anybody, my time has not yet come. He'd say that over... What was the time that he was waiting for? And we could come back and say, well, he was, he was waiting for the time, of course, to die on the cross. He was waiting for this time. He was, he was waiting for Palm Sunday to be introduced as a lamb. He was waiting for this holiday when they would sit there and say, thank God, as they look back of the Old Testament of the lamb that would temporarily take away their sins. Temporarily give them salvation. They, they didn't fully understand this, but John the Baptist did when he introduced Jesus. He said, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Later, when Jesus was arrested, Jesus did not resist. And you guys know that. Hey, they, they, they ran to the garden and we portray this. You'll see it tonight if you're here. And Peter was zealous and, and, and pulled out his sword and tried to stop him. And Jesus did nothing. Because lambs don't fight. At that point, he was not the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was the lamb of God that was coming to take away the sins of the world. A, a, a lamb was not an aggressive fighting creature. He was following the instructions to do the will of the Father. In the Old Testament, they explained this. They didn't fully get it once again. He said he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as the sheep before his shears is done, so he opened not his mouth. You know, Jesus could have walked before them on the trial and just said anything and stopped them. When they arrested, the Bible even portrays the idea that when he acknowledged himself that there was a force of the Holy Spirit that knocked them to the ground. 
God did not have to give his life, but he came as the lamb to lay down his life. They did not take it. See, without the blood being applied to our life, we would be lost in our sin. Now, you have to understand, in the Old Testament, they had a physical door. For us, the blood is applied to our life. See, one day you will stand before God. And there's a book that is open. And your name is either applied to your life, and it's not on your life, but it's the Lamb's book of life. And the Bible even says, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life, according to Revelation chapter 21. So I know we're here for communion, but let me tell you, if you're here today and you don't understand this, there is only one way to enter to the heaven. There is only one way to stand before God righteous. There's only one way to have forgiveness of your sins. There's only one way to pass from death unto life, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. He was the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. Without the Lamb of God, you have your sins applied to your life. There is no forgiveness of your sins. So yes, we have a lot to celebrate. We, we look back to remember, not the Passover lamb, but the lamb of God. See, the disciples still didn't understand. There still wasn't the transition from the Passover lamb to the lamb of God. They, they were still looking at the doorposts and, and Moses and the deliverance and the death angel. They were not yet looking at this because the substitution yet had not been made. Let me bring you to that part. In Matthew 26, 17, Jesus was now, his time was come. Now the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, where wilt thou that we prepare thee to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to such a man and say unto him, the master saith, my hand, my time is at hand. It's time. It's time for me. To step in as the lamb. It's time for a new celebration. It's time to look back at something different. Not a lamb. But the son of God. I will keep the Passover at thy house within my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them. And they made ready the Passover. This is, then Jesus led them to this upper room for the last supper. This is when Jesus led them to the upper room for the last supper. Another gospel tells us that he desired to have the Passover with them. He wanted to spend this time with them. And I want you to visually see this, okay, as we go through this. Jesus gathers them into this spot, into this upper room that he had already planned out. Even when he addressed it, it wasn't even a shock of what was happening or whatever. They weren't just coming in going, why are we here, guys? What's going on? No, it's Passover. Let's set out the Passover. They prepared the Passover. He went to the upper room. It was a room rented out. It was ready for them to go. He sat them down. All 12 of them are there. Jesus was about to introduce himself as a substitute. And they didn't, they didn't get that. And you know the foot washing and the different things that was there. Well, let me tell you who was there as well was Judas. Judas was there and it begins with this. And I want you to understand now. That, but why? Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve. To share the Passover. And they did eat. And he said, Verily I said unto you that one of you should betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. But he began one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said unto him, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth, as it is written of him, 
But woe unto the man of son of man that is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. Jesus calls out his sin. Now I want you to notice the progression of what's going on here. Who is not here? You realize that we have a choice in this world. You either choose the Lamb of God or you choose the money of this world, but you can't have both. You either choose the Savior or you take it upon yourself because next he goes into the blood that needs to be applied. Next he goes into the salvation of what is coming next. He rolls right into the ceremony, but before we get to this part, do you realize what Jesus wanted to do with these guys before that happened? Do you know why we call this communion or fellowship? Because that is why Jesus died. To restore the fellowship, to restore the communion, to restore the intimacy that he lost because of sin. Do you know what takes away sin? The blood in the body of Jesus Christ. That's what takes away sin. You must understand that everything that Jesus did on the cross was for a fellowship with you. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread... And he blessed it, and he broke it. He took it, and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples. Now let me ask you, where is Judas? You, you see that God offers it freely to us. He doesn't make you take it. He doesn't make you take salvation. He doesn't force the blood upon you. It is a choice. We all make choices. And he gave it to them. It was offered to them to receive, and they took it upon themselves. They brought it into their life. This was the gift of God. The Bible says there's no greater love than this. No greater love than this when God laid down his life on the cross. And he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the, for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth unto the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out of the Mount of Olives. This time I'm going to bring it down to us and I'm going to ask our men to make their way down to the front. Today we are not taking of the Passover. We are celebrating remembering what the Lord did for us on Calvary. How Jesus was the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. He, after the Lamb was done, he then says, okay, here's the new celebration. This is my body. This is my blood. Given for you. Now the Jews don't recognize this. You know what they're still doing? They're still going to the Lamb. They're still looking back. They don't believe that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. We don't do that. You know why? We look to Calvary. We look to the blood. We look to the body of Christ that gave himself for us. Now, I want to instruct you a little bit on this. If you're a guest with us today and you know the Lord is your personal Savior, we, we invite you to participate with us in this. We do. I know some churches have difference of this. We just ask that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But let me also tell you that communion does not save you. It does not save you. We, we like tangible things. You know, like water baptism or putting our hands on bread and the juice and things like that to do that. The Bible says it's with the heart. It's not a physical altar in church. It's not shaking my hand. It's not physically being baptized. It's none of those things. It's with the heart that man believeth. 
So if you're here today and you take of communion and say, wow, I went to church on this special day and I did this, that's just a ceremony. It's a reminder. It's remembrance. It's like a birthday cake that I have to remember the birth of my kids. But it, it's, it's not the actual event. It's what Jesus does in your life. If you're here today and we have small children in here, we ask you that you explain to them if you know that they're saved. But let's not confuse kids by giving them something that they think is going to save them when it will not. Today, we remember what God has done, but we remember the forgiveness that God has given us through the blood.